Imagine this, if you will. There's a global pandemic and you rely on local news to get you the information that you need. You look for your trusted newspaper or media outlet and they're gone. Closed due to cutbacks during the COVID-19 crisis. Sounds like the theme to a bad horror movie? Well, it's closer than you think. Welcome to your New Mexico government. I'm your host, Khalil A. Colonna. On today's episode, we take a look into journalism during the COVID-19 crisis and how an industry proved to be essential is fighting to stick around. First up, executive producer Marisa DeMarco has a news rundown of what we know today, Monday, April 13th, as of 5 p.m. Okay, so in what I swear is coincidental timing, President Trump lashed out at reporters for critical coverage of his administration's handling of the pandemic today. He showed a campaign-style video during his daily COVID response briefing that he said was put together by the White House social media director. The Census Bureau is asking for four extra months to get data to Congress, saying that info will head to state legislatures so they can draw new district maps in July of next year. High school juniors around the country, about a million of them, are facing uncertainty about when they can take the SATs or ACTs and how long it will be before results come back so they can apply for college, according to The Washington Post. Trump also said today that he has total authority to reopen the country when he wants to, regardless of governor's stay-at-home orders, The New York Times reports. There are more than half a million confirmed cases around the country, and over 23,000 people have died from the virus. In New Mexico, the number of deaths jumped up by more than 50 percent. The death toll here reached 31. There are also 107 new cases here, bringing the total to 1,345. A little more than 300 people have recovered in the state. New Mexico doctors and healthcare administrators are trying to set standards for which patients will be given ventilators if there's a shortage. Let's say they're hoping it doesn't come to that. The state's Department of Health is also creating nursing homes that are only for people who have COVID-19, according to KOAT. And local news outlets are all reporting that people who are using unemployment right now should start seeing that extra $600 the feds promised as early as next week, and it should happen automatically. For your New Mexico government, I'm Marisa DeMarco. Here to talk about what is happening with local newspapers, your favorite newspaper, is one of the collaborators of this great podcast, editor-in-chief of the Santa Fe Reporter, Julie Ann Graham. Julie Ann, how are you? I'm doing fine. Thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks for coming on the show. Now, tell me, what is the current status of the reporter? Well, the Santa Fe Reporter is still producing its weekly print edition every Wednesday, and we're also doing a lot of journalism, uh, more than other times, uh, with multiple daily updates on our website. And so that's all still going along smashingly. The big difference for us is that we're printing fewer copies than normal. And that's largely because a lot of the places where we distribute the newspaper are closed. Mm, They're closed. That means an advertising hit. Have you all been affected by that? Yeah, certainly. You know, all weeklies like ours are really driven by events. And so half of our newspaper every week is typically taken up by the calendar of arts and culture events that are happening around our city and also lots of the advertising that goes into each edition comes from businesses that are involved with those types of events and so as soon as 
The governor issued the stay-at-home orders and started slowing down and closing businesses. We began to see a big difference in revenue. During the pre-virus time, we would typically produce a newspaper that was 40 or 48 pages. And right now, the newspaper we're producing is 24 pages. Wow, that's a 50% cut. That is tough. Now, Last month, the Santa Fe New Mexican announced that they were having nearly a dozen layoffs and salary reductions, a shortened work week, the entire gamut. Have you all had to make similar moves? We have, yeah. You know, our community is very generous, and I think it demonstrates that people value the news and, and they value the honest approach to the news and to covering culture that the reporter has. You know, nothing's free in this world, they say. <laughs> Certainly journalism isn't free. Our payroll is not zero. The cost of rent is not zero. The cost of printing paper, far from zero. Every nickel that we get from someone in our Friends of the Reporter program is uh, one that we put to work on our journalism mission right away. And uh, we're so grateful that people have responded to that. The president and his administration, they've made it a point to demonize the media, particularly media that is not favorable in its coverage of the administration. At an important time like this, where people need to get access to factual information, do you feel like that hurts publications when they go out and they ask people for help? Yeah, I think the overall climate and the kind of the name calling and labeling that's going on with this president, you know, disrespecting the fourth estate certainly has a trickle down effect for everyone. There are alt weeklies that are part of the trade organization that the reporter belongs to that have gone dark, that have said we're not going to do news during this period because we simply aren't supported by revenue. And so Santa Fe is really lucky to not be in that situation. Situation. I think we're also lucky that we're in a place with a really robust, independent, local news climate and um, that the people who maybe aren't paying attention to local media because Donald Trump told them not to, a lot of those people don't live in our city. It's important even more than ever now to have journalists to not only give people information about the virus and its spread, but also to scrutinize moves made by national, state, and local governments. Yeah, we're certainly busy. You know, we could work 24 hours with our small team and still not do all the stories that we'd like to do that we think are important. So there's definitely no shortage of that work that needs to be done. People are really scared about this, and they want sources they can trust. In an era of information overload... How is one supposed to delineate what is factual and what is not? Well, I think there's some, you know, kind of pro tips that are really easy for folks to remember. And one of them has to do with people's names. If you're getting your news from the Santa Fe Reporter or the Albuquerque Journal or the Santa Fe New Mexican or New Mexico PBS, there are real human beings who live in New Mexico whose names and faces you recognize and you can trust, and you should continue to trust those people. If you're looking at a website that's called like freeamericatoday.com and it doesn't have anyone's name on it and you can't tell what city it's published in and there's no photographs of things or people that you recognize, that's not necessarily as trusted of a news source. So I think that's one really easy way that people can tell the difference between the real news and the fake news. Yeah, we absolutely need you. We need resources like yours out there in the world in general, but particularly during a time like this. She's Julianne Grimm, editor-in-chief of the Santa Fe Reporter and collaborator for your New Mexico government. Thank you so much for your strength. Thank you for your dedication. Thanks a lot. 
to get a sense of how this is affecting freelance journalists. I'm on the line with Ryan Lowry. He is a freelance investigative journalist out here in New Mexico. Ryan, how's it going? It's going well, considering, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. How are you holding up in this? How's your mental health and everything doing? I feel like I'm, I'm adjusting a little more. I think things are becoming a little new normal. I think there for a while it was it was a rough go. I uh, definitely I, th- I think covering the coronavirus has affected me more than than other things. Even covering murders and stuff like that. It's uh, it was weird there for for definitely a while. Now talk to me a little bit about that. My executive producer Marisa Demarco and I. We constantly talk about that. We're on the phone about 20 times a day, texting a lot more than that. And we're, you know, it's all COVID. It's all COVID. It's all the coverage. It's all the show. But we have to take a break every once in a while and take a deep breath and say, hey, I'm living through this as well. So what was that like for you in adjusting to the new reality that we're in? It happened so fast that I didn't have a lot of time to adjust. Um, journalists in general are ready to adapt to new things, and just you jump in. For myself and so many that I know, we became public health reporters basically overnight. I have, in my career, done a handful of stories on hospital or public health realm stories, but never to this level. And I think so many of us are just quickly adjusting finding our way when it's a beat you don't normally cover you have to quickly find sources and learn on the fly and once you do have a little downtime it starts to hit you how much has changed and the gravity of things and behind the numbers that we're reporting every day real people dying and it's it's rough you're a freelance journalist and a lot of uh, publications are cutting back on their work how has that affected you so far it hasn't i suspect that it will you know i'm watching cuts at just about every paper in the state at this point has announced some kind of cutback. We've seen cuts to pay on salary at Las Vegas Optic, where I do a lot of reporting. Also, Los Alamos Monitor and the Santa Fe, New Mexican, even. It's a matter of seeing how deep those cuts go and how long this goes on. I don't anticipate not being affected by it. I got off the phone a little bit earlier speaking with Tom Udall, the senator, and he has proposed in the next relief package setting aside money to go to newspapers and media entities. There is a little bit of an ethical question to be raised with that. A publication, say the Santa Fe New Mexican, gets some funding from the federal government to maintain their operations. Some people feel that that would be questionable. Because then the publication or certain officials would feel privy to, hey, maybe we cover this next story or cover them continued in a favorable light. How do you feel about that situation and that conundrum? It's not a new conundrum. It's something in commercially supported media where you have ad revenue supporting a newspaper it's something that has always come up. If you're covering an advertiser who has done something questionable, there's always been the ethical question of, do you give them any kind of break because they're buying full-page ads every week? Journalists, they do their jobs. And it's a corporate ownership side that looks at those things of, is this person going to get special treatment? Journalists don't think about that. We go cover a story. We want to uncover the facts. We want to tell the story with the details that we find in our reporting. Let me ask you about this. The president and his administration have made it a point to demonize the media and to create a lot of mistrust within the media. Do you feel that that type of skepticism 
given to the media these days. Um, do you feel like that would prohibit people from giving their support towards making sure that media outlets survive this? Potentially, but I think the divide seems predefined. There are other group of people who hate us and see us as enemy, and there are a group of people that support us and will continue to support us. What type of stories are you cooking up these days? Coronavirus, coronavirus, and coronavirus. You know, early on, it was the quick stories of just what city or county are doing to prepare for or set up testing, stuff like that. I'm trying to broaden that into more stories of the impact. What is it doing in jails and prisons? How how is it affecting actual New Mexicans at this point? He is freelance journalist Ryan Lowry. Thank you so much for being with us. You promised to come on the show a little bit later to give us some updates? Yeah, I'd be happy to, yeah. The Santa Fe New Mexican, a paper that's been around since 1849, has cut back on hours and even laid off some of its staff. We reached out to them and they declined our request for an interview. Here to talk more about the importance of journalism during this time is the senior senator from New Mexico, Senator Tom Udall. Senator Udall, thanks for being with me. A real pleasure being with you. Thank you so much. So you and other senators drafted a letter asking that the future relief funding from the federal government include money for local news outlets. Why should that be a priority here in New Mexico during the pandemic? Well, during times of crisis like this, we see just how important local journalism is. It's how people stay informed and keep their families and their communities safe. Sometimes life-saving information flows from these media outlets. But this pandemic is forcing many local outlets across New Mexico to make impossible decisions. This is a real and urgent problem, and that's why I'm pushing for Congress to include funding to support local journalism. Give me a tenor of the support you're getting from your colleagues. Well, we have, I think we're in the range of 17 to 18 U.S. senators who have signed on to this letter. I believe there's a great deal of support broader than that. We're working it hard on the phones and pushing for it. This is something that I'm sure... The small local outlets that we see when we travel around the state, every member of Congress has them because they're rural areas in almost every state. And they're bringing this message to us that they're having to lay people off. They also are laying people off in the, for example, the New Mexican laid off 19 people. So, you know, that's a good sized newspaper. I think it's our big capital city newspaper in New Mexico. So it's pretty surprising to hear this happening in such a dramatic way. Mm -hmm. I once had a political science professor in college say that the media is, in effect, the fourth branch of the government to put checks on all of the other institutions. And that's exactly the way I feel. They are the fourth branch, and they're the branch that checks, that does oversight. As you know, We're in an era where we're living where a lot of political figures are being fact-checked and they're getting these three or four Pinocchios where they're actually coming close to lying or they're outright lying. And that, that shouldn't happen with public officials. We should be trying to tell the truth to people. 
given the fact that it is the media's job to scrutinize, particularly at a time like this, the government response to see where gaps are, to see what's not working so well. How can you preserve independence to make sure that there's no strings attached to this funding, meaning publications and media outlets that are more favorable to the administration get their funding where those who levy a little bit more scrutiny would not? How can you ensure that everybody will get the money that they need? I think it's important that there not be strings attached, that we not, in setting up some relief here, try to manipulate the media in any way. We don't have all the details worked out. The details of this legislation, when the package comes together, will be worked out. And that's what these 18 senators are saying. We need to work in this package to do something for assistance. Now, to give you an example, the kind of thing we're doing for small business, where you give a loan, but then it turns into a grant if 90% of your workers continue to be employed through the crisis, and then it turns into an outright grant, no other conditions, you're off the hook there. That's a good model, I think. That's in law right now. But we're going to take media input. I'm going to get on a call with my local broadcasters in the next day or so and hear input from them as to what they're worried about on the specific points you've raised of how can you give money and have it not influence the operation of the local media outlets. Now, have you talked to any members of the House? Speaker Pelosi, is there momentum for this on that side? I believe there are members of the House who are interested in this. I haven't spoken to any of them. We're working hard on the Senate side. This is something I know that Speaker Pelosi has been interested in over time since those early comments were made by President Trump and the administration accusing the media of being the enemy of the people. That term has been used for history and very dire things have happened there. Also, when you talk about the media bias, the issues and the outlets feeling pressure to reward the government from helping, if this crisis has made anything clear, it's that local journalism is absolutely a public service. It's struggling and needs support. It's that simple. People rely on local outlets to get them information. They need to stay safe. It's absolutely critical to a healthy, functioning democracy. This isn't about helping one party. Yes, sir. He is the senior senator from the great state of New Mexico, Senator Tom Udall. Thank you so much for joining us. I've been visiting with you on a regular basis. Thank you. This is your New Mexico government. I'm your host, Khalil Colonna. Every weekday, we're covering the way the virus and health measures are impacting people differently around the state. Stay tuned in weeknights at 7.30 p.m. For more on this conversation about how COVID-19 is affecting newspapers, I'm on the line with Mr. Richard Reyes. He is the managing editor of the Gallup Independent. Richard, thanks for being with me. Thanks for having me. What's the current status of your paper? What's happening? We're a mostly daily. We print five times a week. We don't print on Thursdays or Sundays. And we're still keeping to that printing schedule. However, we have made a lot of changes because of the coronavirus pandemic. Obviously, our advertising has taken a big hit. A lot of businesses are taking a hit, so they're just simply not advertising right now. To kind of counteract that, we've cut pretty much everyone's hours in half across the board, myself included, the publisher included. Everyone is working 20 hours. First of all, I want to know how this is affecting morale. And secondly, if you can let me know 
to your knowledge, what reporters are still putting in 40 hours, although they're still getting paid for 20? Morale is, as far as I can tell, it's really good right now. And I mean that sincerely from all my dealings with people. There's times where I have to remind them that they can't work so hard, which is it's a weird problem to have. But, you know, I've got reporters turning in more stories, putting in more hours. And, you know, I have to tell them, hey, just a reminder, please don't work so hard. <laughs> That's what I've seen a lot from, at least from my staff, is that people want to tell stories, they want to do their jobs, and they want to keep working. We talk about issues that are happening with COVID-19. A lot of it relates to either Santa Fe, Albuquerque, or Washington, D.C. But you're out in Gallup. Speak to how important it is to get information to the people who read your publication in this pretty far out rural area. It's absolutely vital. It's important everywhere, but it's definitely vital in rural communities where we live in an area close to the Navajo Nation where people might not have running water, electricity, let alone internet. So they still rely on the physical newspaper for their information. And so we're doing our best to share information on Facebook as much as we can. And then obviously we're going to write about it in the newspaper so that people will, will see how this impacts them. And that's our big thing is finding out how government impacts people directly. And we're really focused on that. And Yeah. But I want to ask you this. Senator Tom Udall is gathering together, I think, as of now with 17 other senators to put funding in for the next relief package, funding that specifically is to go to media outlets and papers, particularly in small rural areas. Do you feel any type of ethical concern about receiving federal funds to maintain your operation? For me personally, I don't see that being necessarily an issue. But again, I think it depends on on the organization. And when you receive that kind of money, is it going to impact how you write about that senator or about that delegation? I think for us, the answer is it doesn't really have much of an impact. And even our advertisers, if something happens where we have to tell a story that might paint them in an unfair light, we're still going to tell that issue. I would hope that It doesn't have an impact because I'm sure my publisher would appreciate some help at this time, but I don't think he would tell us then to make sure you treat it all differently or treat other individuals differently. We definitely try to keep that distance between the newsroom and sort of the paper as a small business. Have you all had to create new ways of operating? Any innovative ideas come up as a result of trying to maintain the same output of reliable news yet with less staff to do it? We've had no layoffs, at least none related to financial reasons. We've had maybe two or three people who have been furloughed. I don't know if that's the right term, kind of over safety concerns. The other big thing is sports. There's basically no sports happening at all in the country, uh, let alone in our small community. We have essentially gotten rid of our sports section. Occasionally, we'll have a page here and there. So I had three sports people who are now doing news stories. We were getting ready to hire a designated city reporter. We've been without a designated city reporter for like three months. And this guy was getting ready to come in out of Arizona. It happened to coincide with the beginning of the pandemic. So we actually had to tell him we can't hire you right now. So basically, we're just kind of shifting resources as best we can and putting people on on various stories because there's just so many stories to tell right now. He is Richard Reyes, managing editor of the Gallup Independent. Thank you again. All right. Thank you. My next guest is Karen Coates. She is the president of the Society of Professional Journalists from the Rio Grande chapter. She's here to talk about how the COVID-19 pandemic is affecting journalism 
where you are at. Karen, thank you so much for being with me today. Thanks for having me. So how are you? How, how are you holding up during this? I'm holding up all right. I'm a freelance journalist and I normally work from home anyway. So in that respect, it hasn't been all that much different. But of course, you know, the whole landscape of journalism is changing. So yes, that's uh, troublesome. It's changing greatly. Let's talk about that. A lot of newsrooms are having to cut back folks. How is this going to affect journalism as a whole? I think we can't really predict or understand how this is all going to turn out. The tragedy in this is that at a time when people really, truly need up-to-date, accurate information, and there's this hunger for news, newsrooms are having to lay off journalists. There are so many stories that are not being reported at this point. The president and his administration, they've made it a point to kind of politicize the media. Talk to me about the importance of having factual media that is there for the people, particularly at a time where the the information that we're getting is changing at a constant rate. Well, it's absolutely critical. And, you know, I've said this before that I think as journalists, sometimes we don't do a good enough job of explaining how we work and the whole fact-checking process and why the public should be trusting the information that we put out there. I've worked... uh, a lot of my career in other countries in Southeast Asia and in Africa and in societies where there is not so much freedom of the press and there is not accurate information. And I see what's happened in those places and wonder where we are heading in the future of this country. It's frightening. Senator Tom Udall is looking to have more funds from the next relief package go specifically to media outlets, publications and newspapers. What other ways of funding can the media entities look for to ensure their survival, particularly in times like these? I think we absolutely have to be looking at new ways for funding journalism in the future. And this is not a new question or a new crisis that we're facing in journalism. This has been happening for years. But it's really coming to a point now, as we can see in the middle of this coronavirus crisis, Mm -hmm. when we need such, you know, accurate, timely information. The model of advertising that has supported local newspapers for a couple of hundred years is not working anymore. But there are hopeful signs, you know, of other types of models that could work. Nonprofit journalism, foundation funded journalism, things like that other more. You know, it's really scary to see that, man, our publications would be shuddering in the time of very necessary news. You spoke to the gravity of it. I'm just, um, this is scary. This will maybe kind of force society to take a hard look at our own future and to realize that we can't really have a democracy without information, without accurate reporting, and without journalism. That said, I also wanted to point out that there are a number of resources for journalists. Thanks to the New Mexico Local News Fund, we at SPJ Rio Grande are able to distribute individual emergency grants. And then also on our website, we have a whole long list of other types of grants and opportunities available, both for reporting on the coronavirus, but also emergency style grants for people who just need cash now. She's Karen Coates, president of the Society of Professional Journalists, the Rio Grande chapter. Thank you again. Thank you. Tune in tomorrow as we take a look at how people are keeping the faith in these current times. We talk to faith and religious leaders about how hope and faith can help ease anxieties and make sense of the changing world. 
tomorrow on YNMG. Shout out to all the journalists, editors, graphic designers, and everyone involved in bringing you the news. Trust me, we don't get much time off. If you're in the news or media, tell us about your COVID-19 story. Call 505-218-7084 and share your story or email us at yournmgov at gmail.com. Find a full list of resources we talk about on each episode and opportunities to donate or help online at bit.ly slash ynmghub. Journalists, get funds to keep the newsroom open or money for bills and food. Head to the Society of Professional Journalists website. They have a bevy of resources for you to investigate. Sorry for the pun. Sorry for the pun. Here's the site info, spjriogrande.org. To check out stories from Richard Reyes, check out the Gallup Independent at gallupindependent.com and help out your friends at the Santa Fe Reporter by going to sfreporter.com slash friends. Your New Mexico government is executive produced by Marisa DeMarco. It's produced by yours truly. News update by Marisa DeMarco. Super huge shout out to Bryce Dix for putting in the editing work. Theme music by Pope Yes, Yes, Y'all. Hear us all week long on KUNM's Airways at 7.30 p.m. Online, find this show on KUNM.org or subscribe, subscribe, subscribe through iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Your New Mexico government is a collaboration between KUNM, New Mexico PBS, and the Santa Fe Reporter. Funding for our coverage is provided in part by the Thornburg Foundation and the New Mexico Local News Fund. For everyone here at Your New Mexico government, I'm Khalil Colonna. Thanks for listening.